reading from the third chapter of the letter to the Philippians, beginning with verse 17. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I've often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of His glory, by the power that also enables Him to make all things subject to Himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Paul's writing here about enemies of the cross, and I think it's pretty plain that it's something you don't want to be. Would you agree with that? Just judging from how he says it, they are bound for destruction. Their God is their belly. Can you imagine anything worse? Martin Luther, when writing about human beings, said that they were curved in on themselves, that they were navel gazers by habit. That our habit is to just think about ourselves all the time and to make sure that our needs are taken care of, to make sure that we get what we want and that everything that we think should happen, happens. To look in on ourselves. And Paul is calling them to something different than that. To look on the cross of Christ. Not as something to be hated or to be scorned, but as something to be longed for. To know Christ's suffering even in ourselves. How in the world would we appropriate that into our lives? Is He calling us to just go out and suffer for whatever thing comes along? Or is He calling us to do something a little different? In all truth, I'm not really that certain. I think this is something we learn by watching other people do it. I don't think this is something we can learn in and of ourselves. Otherwise, Paul would not say, imitate me. You know, in another place he wrote to the the Corinthians in his first letter to them that the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. That before we come to know our own sinfulness, before the grace of God reaches out to us to convince us of our need for Christ, the cross can only be foolishness to think that we can somehow be saved by a person who died. Sounds like a fairy tale. But once we come into full contact with the idea and take it into ourselves and plead for the mercy of that Christ who has died and been raised, it becomes power and not foolishness. It becomes the power to give new life. Paul says, there are those who live 
as enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies of the message of the cross. So what is the message of the cross? Paul covered that a little earlier in chapter 2 of this work where he wrote, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Did not consider equality with God to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The cross offends because it calls us out of rebellion. The cross offends because it calls us into obedience. And to be obedient to anyone or anything means means to put it ahead of ourselves. Or them ahead of ourselves. And so Paul says that Christ became obedient even unto death. The book of First Peter in chapter 3 says this, It is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil, for Christ also suffered once for all. Once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteousness to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. That is the message of the cross. That Christ was put to death. For our sins. John Piper wrote this, and he's quoting Romans 5 8 here. He says, God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. To hate the cross is to hate the greatest display of God's love that ever was or ever will be. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Being a hater and enemy of the cross seems to me something that we should not want to be. But we do it subtly, and here's how we do it. Maybe not you, but sometimes me. No, when you hear this, maybe you'll think, yes, sometimes I do that. Don't we sometimes think that we have to earn God's favor by living exactly right? Don't we sometimes think that it's up to us to get everything done correctly in the world? That we somehow have to build the kingdom of Christ? That we somehow have to live our lives perfectly to be accepted by God? And so when we fail, we beat ourselves down and we make little idols out of our sin and we prop them up somewhere so that we can bow down to them so we can be reminded that we're unworthy. But God already knows that we've unworthy. And He's shown us His love by calling us anyway. Think about this. Paul says that God foreknew what He would do in Christ. God foreknew all things. And God knew that when He created you, that you would be sinful. And you know what? God loved you enough to create you anyway. So doesn't it stand to reason that He would love you enough to give Himself for you? 
And so the second person of the Holy Trinity, God the Son, comes down and takes on our flesh, takes on our nature and gives Himself in our place and for us so that we can be delivered from our pious attempts at perfection. That was one group that Paul had written against already to them. What he called the Judaizers. People who would come in and tell the Christians, you must keep the law of Moses in order to be saved through Christ. But Paul would remind them in the Ephesians church that we're saved by grace and that through faith, that it's a gift and not anything that we can work on ourselves. That it's given to us free so that we would not boast of what we have earned. And dear ones, wouldn't we boast? We get a 5% raise and we're putting it on Facebook. Don't you think we would boast if we earned our salvation ourselves? That's one way of being an enemy of a cross when we say, I don't need that. I don't need some 4th century version of Jesus. I don't need a Jesus who died on a cross. I need a Jesus who's a social justice warrior. But the truth is, we need both. We need the Jesus who died on the cross. And it may seem like foolishness to you, but I promise you it is the power of God to give you life. One way we can be an enemy of the cross is to deny that. To say that that thing wasn't necessary. That it was a happy accident that God rescued Jesus from. But you know, there's another way that we can be an enemy of the cross. The writer of the book of Hebrews wrote about it. He writes this in chapter 10. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? What he was talking about and what Paul is talking about in this part of the book of Philippians is those people who would say that because Christ has died and been raised, I'm forgiven and I can do whatever the heck I want to. That we can treat the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the gift of our faith as somehow a license to sin with no possibility of punishment with no possibility of wrath, with no possibility of ramifications. We can do whatever we want because we've been set free from this body and it's all about heaven now. So whatever we do here doesn't matter. And Paul's answer to those people, you're living like an enemy of the cross. You're treating it like it doesn't matter. You're saying, the writer of Hebrews says to us, you're saying that it's okay to trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God. That's how we can be an enemy of the cross. Two ways. Two ways. We act as if it's up to us to get everything perfect in our life in order. To behave perfectly. 
so that we can be acceptable to God and deny the power of the cross as God's show, as God's demonstration that He has received us already. Secondly, when we live however we want to live and act as if Christ's death means nothing to us, Those two things can make us enemies of the cross. And dear ones, that's something I don't want to be. I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. Do you? Do you want your life to deny that what Jesus did matters? How in the world can we avoid that? How do we do the opposite? How do we come to a point in our life where instead of being an enemy of the cross, we become an ambassador of the cross? People who lift high the cross of Christ and celebrate it as the balm of Gilead. It's pretty simple, Paul says. We imitate Him. And in another place... In one of Paul's letters, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. As the children played follow the leader a little while ago with Sarah, Paul is inviting us to play follow the leader with him as he follows Jesus. That's how we avoid being enemies of the cross. We do what we've seen Jesus do. I know people who are like so smart that they think the what would Jesus do bracelets are stupid because their answer is always he would go, suffer, die, be raised, which are usually things human beings don't want to do, right? None of us wants to sign up for suffering. None of us wants to be put to death for our faith. But dear ones, look around the world. Those are real possibilities. And that reminder, what would Jesus do? can't be so bad, can it? If we live our lives imitating Jesus who gave Himself for others and put others first, that has to be a good thing, right? I feel like it does. Be imitators of Paul as he imitates Christ. How in the world are you going to do that? It's not like we can watch Paul and follow him along in the sanctuary here. But we can learn his story, can't we? Christ comes to meet us here every week. We can come expecting to learn his story, can't we? To know Jesus' story so intimately and to know Christ so intimately that our very habit is to love others and love God. That's what Paul's calling us to. To imitate Him as He imitates Christ. To live a life that glorifies God by lifting up the cross of Christ. It's not easy. It'll get you called names like Jesus Freak, Bible Thumper, Ignorant. I'm trying to think of the other one and I can't get it back. <laughs> it's, it's something to do with like when you believe supernatural stuff and people think you're stupid for it. 
What's that called? Y'all don't know either? We'll trust the Holy Spirit to speak that into your ear later. How's that sound? Superstitious. Right? They call us superstitious. Dumb people clinging to their religion. Well, what what do you expect them to say? We've been told that the cross is foolishness to people who are perishing. But for us who are willing to follow after Paul, who follows after Christ, the cross is the power of life. It is the love of God on full display. It is the way of hope. It is the means of our salvation. It is our symbol. It is our purpose to lift high the cross. This church has a mission statement. We used to keep it in the bulletin, but then I felt like maybe nobody was reading it and we needed the space, so we took it out. But it simply says that the purpose of this congregation is to make disciples. And we make disciples through imitation, through giving somebody the example of a life lived for Jesus. A life lived for the God who calls us out of darkness. And those who come behind us learn Christ from us. So I call on you, dear ones, to be committed to imitating Christ. To be committed to imitating His messengers like Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Peter and all of those who have shaped our faith. The Addie McClinics and the Addie Howells of this world. Those people who walk before us the way of life. Because that will lead us away from hatred of the cross. To where we can do what that hymn said and take our stand beneath it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.